0: today we unfuck the internet what what did he say unfuck the internet has adam gone nuts no i asked him he's just fine but i am gonna explain what i mean on this authentic avenue mozilla you probably know them for their Firefox product. They are a tech brand currently pushing internet for people, not profit. And I shouldn't say currently because that's what they're foundationally based upon. My guest today is Lindsay Shepard, who is their chief marketing officer. She also goes by Shep. So you'll hear me say Shep on today's episode quite a bit. And today's conversation is focused not only around her journey, which was to Mozilla from Facebook, where she oversaw integrity, which I thought was interesting, but we also talk about that phrase with which I started this show, how does one unfuck the internet, what goes into it, and how is Mozilla trying to authentically make it happen, what are the implications for people, what are the implications for brands, and towards the end, we also talk about authenticity, and specifically a challenge to the way that I think about it. I've done like 180 of these. She's the first one to ever really challenge the terminology. So I look forward to having you hear that because I really, really appreciated it. I'll get out of the way and let her do that and let you hear it. So without further ado, sit back, relax, maybe go download Firefox and listen in as I get real with Mozilla and Lindsay Shepard. Hey Shep, how you doing? Good to have you.
1: Hey, Adam. So great to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. It's a pleasure. I want to learn about what's currently going on with Mozilla. I want to start with you, though, because of your, your journey to get here, where you came from, the role that you had, the role that you have now, this is going to sound big, and like what is necessarily different. Now, the reason being, full disclosure, I was looking at your LinkedIn, and I saw that prior to coming to Mozilla, which obviously has, is like, has certain values associated with it, like privacy and things like that, that others maybe don't necessarily have, But you came from Facebook, which we won't talk about too much, except to say that you were a director over integrity, which I thought was really interesting alongside, of course, like the core marketing aspect. Why Mozilla after a role that may have shared some similar values?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it feels super obvious to me, to be honest. Um, But I think from the outside in could be curious. You know, after the 2016 election, there was a ton of energy and sort of focus and commitment at Facebook around solving some of these new problems that had emerged, right? Like there were some new issues that showed up around the web that we hadn't really dealt with before. You know, that was, that was something I was really passionate about and spent several years working on there. Um, And I think, you know, the big realization for me at Facebook is that there's no silver bullet. Like there's no big answer to misinformation or, you know, the the weaponization of of bad content or clickbait or any of these issues that people deal with online. Um, but the piece that was most interesting to me was this idea of user agency um, and making sure that that people were having the experience they knew they were having. So you know. I became more and more excited about that. And as I sort of poked my head up and looked around, it's obvious that if that's what you want to geek out on, Mozilla is the only place to be. I mean, this company has been working on this stuff for 20 years and, you know, they walk the walk and, you know, so coming to Mozilla felt supernatural for someone that's so obsessed with the space.
0: Well, that's. I like to hear you say "walk the walk." I say that a couple times here because I'm obsessed with this big A word about which this show is. <laughs> right. um, you know what was funny is as I was looking through this, I was thinking, and just as you responded to that, talking about how m- media was weaponized is really great way to put it. Very recently in the news and listeners, whenever you listen to this, um, it will be shortly after the announcement that another large publication out there, quality media in Reuters, is putting itself behind a paywall, rather large paywall. Yeah. And the observation that was immediately understood by, I guess, like marketing Twitter and a couple others is like, it's tough because it makes disinformation or information, which is frankly cheaper to manufacture because sometimes it's not true, uh, much more widely available because typically that is free.
1: Well, I mean, define free, right? Like, you know, well, there, there's so much trash out there. And typically you click through some of these super sensational, like polarizing headlines. You end up in like an ad farm, right. With all those gross sort of that's true, gross pictures and stuff like that.
0: So, so somebody's paying for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the Reuters thing is super interesting. I mean, you, you definitely, I don't know. it, It gives me pause to think about how do, you know, how do we think about supporting real quality journalism and like good discussion and quality content with some nutritional value in a world that really values, you know, clicks over quality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that alone, that space around the media and around journalism broadly um, is one of the reasons I was so excited to come to Mozilla cuz we have this product called Pocket. It's sort of still, you know, it's it's at the, I'd say at the beginning of its life cycle um, but it is a content sort of discovery aggregator distribution app that that thinks more about quality than than engagement, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking through it now. Yeah, right. it's
1: super. It's super interesting. It's different, and it, it surfaces stuff that I don't know. It feels additive, like you know. So often, you'll be scrolling through your phone, and you will end up rat holing on something, and Apple you get a little dirty.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know. So there's something about how do we as um, as a society really support an ecosystem that that helps us get to to good things on the internet and like stuff that's worth our time. I don't know.
0: Well, well, I well, I think you might know a little bit because if if I ask about this next part, I'm going to put an explicit tag on the show, but that's okay. It's not that it's spelled this way, but of course you're well familiar with campaign that currently anybody who goes to Mozilla's website can see, which is to unfuck the internet. Kind of sounds like a lot of ways that the internet is currently being in that way is what you're talking about. And there are things like Pocket, of course, done within Firefox, which can help to alleviate some of that but I'd like to learn more about it. Cause that seems like one of the most, um, not just explicit, but like direct <laughs> attacks on not attacks, but like, uh, exposés. I'm not sure exposures of the way that the world works. As you said, clicks over quality. I also thought it was kind of interesting that literally the third thing on it or fourth thing on it after it said, like you do so freely, you know, ads aren't going to follow you around and then tell Facebook the F off. I thought that was really interesting given, given the fact that like, well, you know, that, better than anybody, I guess. So watch. tell me a little bit more about how you're helping people to, well, unfuck the internet. I think that's really fun.
1: You know, the internet is incredible, right? Yeah. Like I'm a huge dork. I'm obsessed with this whole ecosystem um, and the way things are built and the way people use them. But, you know, when you take a step back, even away from that, in this past year, what we've realized is that you know, the internet, it's like the great equalizer. It's the connector. It's the way that our kids have stayed up to speed. Um, right. Even when they can't be in the classroom, it's the way we've stayed connected. It's the way we've had family dinners. Like everything is online. Um, and I think with this time, this moment in time where we're all so focused on our online experience, it's become really clear to so many people like, wow, there are a lot of things about this that are fucked up. hmm um, and that shows up, I think every week, if not every day that there's this data breach or, you know, this, anyway,
0: there was just another one or another one that was recently publicized well, that was this week or I think it was Facebook too, but it just another one happened.
1: Right. And there, you know, there's so much conversation about these big platforms and does this company have too much power or is this company taking too much of your inf- information and what right. is my microphone really recording? And I think, you know. Mm what people are, are worried about, I think, is that they, they understand this is a big enough thing. Now our online lives are a big enough part of our real lives now where we have to have some agency and have some, take some ownership of what that looks like for us. But as you start to dig into the different pieces of the ecosystem, it's just not simple. I mean, it's very complex. And my, ambition with the unfuck the internet work is to start to shed some light for like normal people that don't spend their entire day obsessing over the complexity of the tech ecosystem take action um to just give themselves a better experience a more secure experience a safer experience online um both with their own immediate sort of interactions or things that they use or do but also in creating a little bit of tension on the ecosystem to make better decisions and just do better. Right. Um, cause it's all at the end of the day, it's all about how, how people interact with things. So, right.
0: yeah. And, and people can make better decisions for themselves, of course, yep. ideally in your world. That means they, they, it, very simply, you do something like move over to Firefox. If you don't like those ads following around, if you want to unfuck the internet in your own way. And I see that like people are starting to move there by people, I mean big tech and big business. And it's probably driven by like brand equity. I'm not sure. I don't want to speculate. But like all I heard about in the last year or so was, oh, what, what's going to happen when Google cuts off all of its cookie tracking, right? And that was the big thing and then come fantastic marketing at least from my perspective because that's all that I knew and then somebody else who actually works pretty deeply and like with Google ads for another brand told me well actually they're kind of coming out with their own proprietary thing they're just deleting third-party trackers they're still going to have their own they're still going to make a bunch of money off it I was like okay well I don't really know if that solves the problem or if that's just going to like reset the problem but broadly speaking like these types of moves should be good for consumers brands might want to also think about making good decisions. How do you predict they'll adapt to those sorts of sweeping changes? I mean, in a world where a brand can't follow you around with ads on like a Firefox, like what, what, how do they mix? How do they get some of the art back into the the way that they market? Because like all this ad tracking stuff is a hell of a lot of the science, right? Um, it's true. And so I'd be interested to know your thoughts on it, because you must be a proponent of some of that art coming back, right?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. So the, there's a lot in what you just said, um, and I want to unpack it. I mean, I think, first of all, in the front end, there's a lot coming out around big companies making decisions to protect your privacy and to keep you safe and all of that. And I think it's always healthy for us as consumers to stake it, take a step back and recognize the incentives of any individual company yep. um, and why they might be saying what they're saying. And if the incentives um, of the company are misaligned with what it is that they're saying, I think it's worth questioning that um, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there, right? In terms of, of, yeah. of what people are actually doing to protect their consumers. Right. So that's like, I, I can't not say that, Adam.
0: Sure. But I didn't even think about it. like, I'm in this world every single day and I get, I get kind of skeptical, especially on a show where I'm supposed to talk about people who are authentic and some who come on on or are, and some aren't. But I kept look, going back to this. I was like, "There's no way that Google's just giving up money here." But I didn't know that. And and of course, like as I then as I realized, oh, there's another product behind it. And why, by like protect your privacy, what they mean is that like protect other businesses from having the data that we have. And I don't know like where the protection was coming from at that point. So any, anyway, c- continue.
1: The ele- understanding those incentives is important to understanding yep. why you're. Why are being communicated to in a certain way. Yeah, right. You know, the second part of what you said is super interesting. So, you know, at, at Mozilla, um, marketing's really different than it is at other places because we are steadfast in our commitment to not exploiting people's information. Like we don't do that. We don't right. know stuff about our user base that most companies do. And for a marketer, that's super tricky, right? Mm-hmm. The, I think over the past really decade, we've become so spoiled because you're almost handed all of this incredible information on a silver platter when you're looking to to talk to to any particular group about any particular thing. Yes. Um, But my point of view, is that like, I don't need to know what kind of toilet paper someone uses to help them understand why they should be using my
0: browser, yeah, right? right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. things
1: aren't connected and it's it's exploitation in a lot of ways. I mean, it really is. And so in, in this world where I always say great marketing is half magic and half math. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been, I think as a discipline, really over-rotating on the math. I mean, the math is critically important. I'm a data nerd, like this, it, it's something that I, I love, but if we're going to approach marketing in a way where we refuse to um, exploit people's data, right. then we've got to lean into the magic equally. Um, and that's where I think this idea of, of storytelling really kind of takes shape because it, it's all, it's funny. It's like, what's old is new again. Because yep. we didn't we didn't come to the table however many years ago when advertising started.
0: Yeah, nobody in Mad Men was pulling out like what toilet paper to people, right? Like doing right. his lookalike cohort. Yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Right. So, I mean, it, it's it's been a super interesting process, and and really sort of uh, you know a lot of muscle building for me personally to have sure. kind of go back to okay, what are our hypotheses? Right. And, you know, who do we think we're talking to and how can we test that assumption in a way that um, is authentic to who we are?
0: To me, so, uh, and luckily, I would say, and you probably feel this way as well, like, Mozilla is on the the foundation is we're not going to exploit people's data like that. My assumption is that it will be a lot harder for others to do it because it's, when you talk about the magic and the math, for them, it's like beyond just a marketing thing. I'm I bet some skeptical CFO sitting somewhere is probably like, well, magic's great, but uh, the math uh, pays the bills in this other business stream, and I'm not just going to give that business stream up and blah, blah, blah. So I hope the magic comes back as well, but there's got to be sort of a, I think, almost even a bigger change, and that's got to be org wide, which obviously Mozilla has and not others do. So, um, but hey, I'm a big fan of telling the stories. I mean, if that's a way that we can get back to good, you know, mar- good marketing. There's always good marketing, but like marketing that doesn't make you feel like, oh, and then you see the same ad next week on like a banner ad, and you're like, oh my god, they, great. Who do I know that who who got it there? You know what I mean?
1: I know. I mean, it's it- it's tricky because advertising. I don't know. It has to be relevant. So there's definitely pros and cons. Yep. To this ecosystem that knows so much about you and follows you around. I mean, right. I. I've bought a lot of stuff online, obviously, and, and sometimes right. that targeting can be really useful. So it's not that I'm necessarily against, um, you know, targeting consumers in a way that makes the work relevant to them. Yep. But I want to know when that's happening to me. I think so much of it's about sort of intent and agency as opposed to like really a black and white experience. And so I think there's something... There's something to be done there. Like if I'm seeing an ad, I'd like to kind of know why and not in sure. a way that's buried underneath 15 clicks, right? Like right. help me understand why you're telling me this and why you think it'll be valuable to me. Yep. And you know, I think all of that goes back to this phenomenon in the world of things just being more tailored and like mm-hmm. things feeling more relevant and more to your point more authentic. Like there's so right. much less polish on the stuff yep. that works these days.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure. Like, I'm trying to think about it from the other side because I I agree with what you're saying. That'd be great, you know. If I give any data to anybody, I want it to be me doing it, not them collecting it from somebody else. And I was I used to work for a tech organization that was all about first party data, and I think that will eventually come into the fold big time. Um, yeah, I'd rather like exactly right. I just I know it's not super prevalent right now to be like, why did I get this? That reason storytelling linear, but. Hopefully, it gets there at some point, and it could be a fantastic avenue for any business to authentically market. It's a decent segue because that's what I like to talk about. So you've got all these different initiatives, and even you know qualities within those initiatives, like Unfuck the Internet. There's like several elements to it, and I like to ask folks when they come in, your story is clear, and when it comes to being. Again, authentic in the big A word I like to go after. Like everybody, every person, every business, every moment has its own specific avenue to achieve that authenticity or operationalize it. Maybe it's with the way they treat consumers, maybe it's the way they treat employees, the way they socially invest. All those different things boil down to different recipes for everybody. Which, well, what's that recipe for you, uh, maybe right now? And if it's for you, Shep, if it's for Mozilla broadly, I'd just be curious to know because everybody's got their own.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I'm gonna be completely authentic with you, Adam, I kind Go. of disagree with the premise of operationalizing authenticity. I love
0: it, Let, uh, let's let's dig in.
1: That alone feels like corporate jargon that isn't ever gonna be real. Like it's never gonna be realized. Yeah. I think that, you know, when I think of the word authenticity, um, there's an element, there. there's like equal parts like a core almost compass or yep. like where, where you're coming from in your in your heart. Like right. you know, I know listening to me you can't see this, but there's like pressing on my chest. Like there's something you just know and feel that's foundational to who you are, who the business is or the organization is. But there's also an element of serendipity or spontaneity. You know, if you want someone's authentic reaction to something, surprise them with it because you'll see it. We're human beings and that's how it shows up. And so I mm. think You know, you have to have a really strong understanding of who you are and where you're coming from and that compass, but you also need to be dynamic and reactive to the moment, right? That's true. And I think we're seeing so much of that around the world. I mean, it occurs to me, you know, TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. It's this format that could not be like rougher. It could not (laughs) lower fidelity. And that's why it works. I think more and more in the world, people you know, their bullshit meters are so finely tuned, man. Like people can smell it a mile away. And so there's this need, if you're going to be resonant and you're going to be relevant, you've got to lean into who you really are and what you're really doing and not spend, you know, all your time polishing shiny pennies. Like it doesn't work anymore. And so I think that what that means for brands and for CMOs and marketers in general is, like equal parts, keep it simple. Like so much of this stuff is really obvious. What's your authentic brand? What are you here to do? Like that should be something that rolls off the tip of your tongue because you know. Yep. You know why you're there. But then also consider your audience. Like open your eyes, look around. People don't want some shiny aspirational image in anymore. Like that's not where we are as a society. We just want to feel like we can relate to the things that we're seeing. Yeah. That's a huge shift
0: broadly. Um, I like that. I, all right. So context for listeners I've done uh, roughly in terms of the number of CMOs I've talked to podcasts I've done with them as of today, it's like nearly 180 almost. It's the first time somebody has frankly like challenged the terminology. And I think I might update it. Like it's true. Like how do you operate? Like what, what I probably what I should have said is like, how, how do you like weave it into the, structure of how you work because like what i had in my head was like well you operationalize it through everything that you listed out and unfuck the internet right that was that that was just the way that you work that was your operating principle um but i'll find a new word for it because you know i i don't certainly don't want to let anybody's bullshit meter go off when i say that so um fair enough now everybody's got to figure out what like who who they are what's true to them Let's do that for you as we round out today. Always ask an advice column. That advice column is always, how would you advise others how to craft their own avenues to authenticity? You've done it. You've got a story. It brought you to Mozilla. You came to Mozilla. You had this fantastic, uh, this, this fantastic initiative. is was more of like a, a mindset. We've talked all about it here. Um, but that's sort of the most recent chapter of the story. And I, I have listeners who are marketing leaders, listeners who are simply brand builders trying to emulate your journey. And I'd like to know what advice you might give to them so that they can become, I guess, as confident as you are here to challenge some podcaster later in life on the way that he says things. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think like so many things in life, Adam, it's keep it simple. You know, know what you're after, know what you want to do, know what you want to learn. You know, I think people... Um, Lose track of what it is that they're trying to learn and the experience their experiences they're trying to have in order to push forward on some pre- predetermined path, and that's not yeah. it. You know, I um, I think constantly keeping your eye on the prize, whether it's in developing your brand identity for your company or understanding your own journey and career path, it's like making sure that you've really got your finger on that center um, of what it is that you're that you're after. Um, is always going to kind of keep you moving, and and probably will take you in sort of weird, twisty, curvy, curvy directions that you might not get to if you are you know just following some five year plan. Hmm. Um, I, one of the things that I say a lot, and that I talk to my team about a lot, is this idea of holding things loosely. Like sometimes it's okay to just hold things sort of loosely out in front of you and and watch them. Sort of spin and and show up before you decide to take action, and I think, right. I think that's helpful too.
0: I agree, listeners. I would en- I would encourage you to think about that in a brief thought exercise. Like, what do you want to learn? Even in this, as I said, I've, I probably I've been doing this specific niche like for two and a half years. I don't think it was until about I got about a, a really about eight to twelve months into it that I really figured out what I wanted to exactly learn from leaders, from people like you, and. I, thankfully that's resulted in a lot better conversation it's actually informed like what i want to do and i feel like a lot of people are like yeah it is cool uh, i feel like a lot of people say especially at the beginning of their career it's like you're mostly focused on other things like the external benefits of a job like oh i get a great paycheck oh, i get good visibility it's a promotion whatever and not as much on i <laughs> all right look between you me and everybody listening to this nobody goes goes to an investment bank graduates from harvard or whatever goes to an investment bank because they're like oh i I just i want to learn how like the intricacies of like very few people do that they do it because there's a big fat check associated with it and people same reason a lot of people go to big tech so anyway listeners i would encourage that chef i thank you for that perspective i'm glad that that learning has brought you here and brought you specifically here to this moment i'm glad to have learned and um i keep i can't wait for you to keep on fucking the internet up (laughs) I'll, I'll end with that. But I appreciate I appreciate you coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. and Thank you.
1: Thank you, Adam. Talk soon.
0: Fascinating perspective. I really do think I might change the way I talk about authenticity, operationalizing it. She's right. It sounds like corporate BS. I should check myself. I'm going to update that and in upcoming interviews, I will change how I talk about it. Promise. Thank you, Shep. And thank you to the listener for tuning in. Here's how else you can stay connected with me. LinkedIn mostly. All right. Adam Connor authentic avenue follow both connect with me you can also find me wherever podcasts are and you can write me via email adam at authav.com a-u-t-h-a-v-e.com let me know what you're thinking let me know if you'd like to be on the show let me know if podcasting can be used as an authentic content lane for you whether it be external or internal because i know a lot about it Regardless, I'm going to be back again real soon talking about how somebody else carves their own path to authenticity and how you might as well. Until then, I'm Adam Conner signing off saying until the next time I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.